Hello and welcome back to another episode of the IFC's When Destiny Calls podcast. My name is James Malamus. We've got a great episode for you. Today we joined Dr. Lahab Al Samurai and Christy Foster again, this time to talk about the maze. It's a great discussion. We can't wait for you to hear it. If you enjoy the IFC's When Destiny Calls podcast and want to support, make sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. So without any further ado, Dr. Al Samurai, take it away. Welcome back to another episode of When Destiny Calls. I am Dr. Lahab El Samurai. With me today, as always, is Christy Foster. And we are When Destiny Calls. This is, I think, our seventh or eighth episode. Um, Christy, how are you today? I'm doing well today. It's been a nice week. Um, Got to see my son in Washington, where you're at over the weekend and watch him play a little baseball and yeah he was fantastic it was a really good good way to spend a very cold and wet afternoon is to watch um um young people play uh, baseball and to hear their compatriots cheer for them and um shout for them and carry on um it is fun so it always takes you back now yeah i thought of that now we're sounding old but (laughs) it was fun it was nice to be back on the baseball field yeah yeah baseball i'm glad uh, we're all playing baseball and doing sports again excellent So today, um, and if anybody's interested, me and Christy and Lance already are um, doing a course on the archetype. What is an archetype? How is the archetype in the world? How the archetype moves in the world? So... Um, let us know if you're interested. You could always send us an email at the Institute for Conflict, one word, at gmail.com. Or you could send us an email at the JAM Training Institute, one word, at gmail.com. Okay, without further ado, let's get into today's uh, thought experiment. Okay, so Christy, uh, what are you thinking about today? Well, we were discussing about, this is a favorite subject of mine called, some people call it the maze. Um, And in my world, working with people in the body, it is, I would describe it as a puzzle and also a maze in that as people become more aware of their, um, the blind spots within themselves that they have held patterns in that have created uh, pain in the body. It helps open another door to that maze, a different way to uh, get out or feel better. That's how I see the maze in my work because it's, and it's always moving. It's always changing, which I also think is a wonderful thing Mm. because to me, that's possibility all the time. I don't believe we get stuck in one thing unless we believe we do because everything is always changing and Mm. hence the maze, hence the, you know, the idea that, okay, now what? Yeah. So the, the maze, um, as we're thinking about the maze, the maze is, Every time we turn a corner, we get a new form of consciousness about where we're at and what we're doing. And so each part of the maze helps us become conscious of something. Um, But we don't see the maze. And I think this is where the term, um, when you're in the middle of the trees, you can't see the trees because you're in the middle of the trees. So when you're in the middle of the maze, you can't see the maze. And part of it is that 
the maze is set up so we become more conscious of what our task in the world is, whatever task it is, doesn't matter what it is. It could be raising a family, it could be building a career, it could be um, building something, it could be feeding people, it could be, um, doesn't matter what it is, what the task at hand is. But everybody must walk through the maze. And on your way through the maze is when you need to discover um, what you're doing in the maze. Otherwise, what's going to happen is you're going to get stuck in the maze and not get out. Mm-hmm. Then you're just going to be frustrated. You're just going to say, oh, it's the same old, same old every day. Um, same crap, different crap. But that, go on. Well, I think that is, that's what makes it dangerous Mm. or it can be dangerous because, and I do hear that with clients often that have, we, I think we all come to different points of feeling stuck and feeling like um, nothing's going to change. Everything's the same. And to even have the possibility or the idea that that's not true. That pattern of, I, cause I believe that's even a pattern to believe that everything's the same. It's that's a, being, that's being stuck in the pattern. Yes. Yes. Yes, which, absolutely. Absolutely. When you're funny, stuck, you feel, yeah. And I, I think sometimes we inherit those patterns and, or the people that we live with, will say those kinds of things and we start to implement that pattern of feeling stuck. Yeah. And so being becoming more conscious and more aware, like last time we talked about our shadow and what that was, the more aware we can become, I think the more clear a pathway is open for us. We might not know what it is, but pathways do open as we come out of that stuck idea that everything's the same. So the pathway is consciousness. Yeah. So when somebody says the pathway opened up, that means consciousness has opened up. And therefore, what we usually see symbolically is a door. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think me and Christy are talking about the same thing. We're just talking about it in different ways. So the pathway is consciousness. The door is also consciousness, a symbol of consciousness. And every time we find a door, we say things like, I found a way, or I I figured it out, or um, I was able to solve it, or I was able to move on, or I was, um, I thought I was stuck, but I'm not stuck any longer. So there are different terminologies that we use to describe how we got unstuck or found the door or became conscious that there is a door or open the door or taken the door. Yet all these ideas exist around the central theme, which is consciousness. And once we start seeing consciousness in that perspective, we are able to move through these doors much quicker than we used to be able to. We're not as stuck. What would, what would you say is a, a way or a how to create some of those doors? Well, finding the doors or creating the doors. So, so again, language is important, but it actually just is a different color. So here, Christy uses, um, how do you create the door? I was using the term finding the door, but it's all a play on words. It's all about consciousness. Consciousness means that I have the power to find and create. I am awake. Or as the young people said, 
I'm woke. Mm -hmm. So we are woke because that means we have consciousness, that we are not as judgmental about being stuck. And therefore, we're not fighting with ourselves and we're finding ways out of our dilemmas. For example, Christy, so I would say that people um, create doors when um, other people shut all the doors in their face. But they could have created that door before they went out to everybody else and That's had those doors shut in their face. But maybe they didn't know they had that until all those other doors were shut. Sometimes we don't see what's in front of us. So the question would be, why, why don't we see what's in front of us? Why are we lost? Why can't we see it? If the door is right in front of us, why can't we see it? Because as you said, we grew up in situations where other people told us all doors are closed. Yeah. That we're stuck, that we can't go. And so what we've done is we have digested um, other people's poison. And therefore we're, our illness is because we have digested other people's poison. The more, the more you are freed up and the more you feel that you have the power to change things, to move things, to affect things. So we all affect things in different ways. We affect each other. We affect the world outside of us. We all interact. Our interaction is an alchemical reaction. Every time we interact, every time we say something, every time we find a way to connect to something. <clears throat> These are transformative interactions and reactions to the world. So when we come through the doorways that our parents opened for us, they also closed a bunch of doorways. Mm -hmm. As many as they've opened, they have closed. And therefore we have to figure out part of becoming older or awoke or woke is um, to find out that you could create your own doors as Christy put it, finding out that you could open those doors, finding out you could walk through those doors, finding out that those doors already exist for you, even though other people told you they don't, yeah. you know? Oh, you can't do that. You, that's not for you. That's for other people. Don't do that. Don't talk about that. That's not for you. That's for other people. You're supposed to be doing this, whatever that is. Well, I so, think, we, I, think we, I think we obviously we all come into a system, a community of some sort, and our identification with language and um, how to bring something to us is specific to whatever group we grow up in. Ooh. And um, in my experience, granted, I'm probably more of a rebel uh, type of person than not. Um, I notice when I listen to people from my tribe, my system, when I hear that the statement oh, we can't do that, that's scary, which I hear often from different people in my circle. For me, that's, when I hear that, that's a door. Mm. And um, I would encourage people to really pay attention to their own language mm. um, because I, I think that's what traps us from becoming more conscious is is the statement of that scares me or it's unknown. And of course it would be unknown on some level, but I also think our 
whatever word you want to use, I would say our soul knows, our soul is aware that it's waiting for us. Ooh. As we become conscious. I like how you said that when somebody says uh, to you, uh, that's scary, um, you recognize it right away as a door. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As an opening in the universe calling you. Yeah. Because if you don't face your fear, you can't move forward. No, and it it will show up that same statement when I'm working with people and I hear that scary as one of the main themes of their their lens that they look through. I will also see that in their flesh and how that shows up as tension and holding, um, oftentimes gripping of the toes and of the hips because their system is, is responding to that sentence of uh, that is scary. And as I hold a door open for them as a therapist, to walk in and be supported in that space of what they might perceive as fear. That's really when consciousness comes through because the illusion is that it isn't as scary and they're not going to die, but it's feeling the emotions that have been trapped in the body that makes people feel trapped, literally. And so healing is scary. It can be, absolutely. Because I know what it is to be sick. I've spent my life being ill. I've spent my life being hurt. I spent my life being um, unable to move, to be afraid. So healing is scary. And that's why we have to take that door. Because something we don't know, that's why it's scary. Yeah. It's not scary because I'm going to feel better. (laughs) I want to feel better. It's scary because it's something I haven't done. What is that? What what is it to be okay? To feel good? To feel like I'm wanted or needed or loved? The key word there, Dr. Lahab, though, is feel. Mm. That is the key word, because I think what I've experienced in my practice is, is that when that emotion comes up and that feeling that comes up, that's where the fear is. Mm. And, and is it really as scary as we might think it is sometimes? Yes. But I think the body is much more intelligent than we give it credit for as we feel whatever needs to move, then the body can heal. Well, it scares us because it's unknown to us. Yeah. All, th- all things that scare us are unknown. People that are different from us are scary because they're unknown. Once we get to know them, they're just like everybody else. That's usually what we say. They're just like everybody else. Yeah. But before we know them, before we've talked to them, before we've understood their story or heard from them, um, we think they're scary because they're different. And that could be what they eat, what they drink, what they dance to, what they listen to, who they love, or how they exist in the world. It's scary to us because we haven't experienced that, but once we understand it, it's not as scary. Um, healing is a complicated venom. To heal is to be able to say, I want to move forward in a different path. I want to open doors for myself. Have you heard the term, you know, people open doors for me? Mm -hmm. You don't need people to open doors for you. These are your doors. They exist because you're able to be conscious of them. And thus, opening them is not complicated. 
If other people have to open doors for you, that means you don't know that door exists. And so I'm not like saying that other people shouldn't open doors for us. Absolutely. We open doors for all kinds of people to do all kinds of things, to help in all kinds of ways. But what I'm saying is, is that you have the power to open your own doors, to find your own solutions, to mm -hmm. find all the different ways that you are able to help yourself and help the world around you. You are a person who has the ability to look and see the maze and say, oh, I know which way to go. I just need a couple of more turns. Or you have the ability to sit there and say, there's no way out, I'm stuck. I can't move. I'm frozen. I'm not able to fix what has been broken. I am not able to move in the direction of freedom. The freedom is complicated. We talk about it. We use it as a word that we throw around, but it's complicated. If you're free, um, that means you need to understand the consciousness and depth of what it means to be free if you don't understand the consciousness and depth of being free then um, you are actually being held against your will by the idea that you're free and so people will start to fight and scream i am free hey i'm free i can do whatever i want uh, yeah, that's not what the concept, the idea, the, the depth of being free is. The depth of being free is not having to scream that I'm free. If Which I go on. Well, I think that's profound in... Um, in coming out of what we were talking about of feeling like we're stuck, freedom does come from within us as we integrate and as we heal and um, move trauma out of our systems, that's when we can access that freedom that no one has power over us in any way. To me, that's freedom, but that, that the complexity of that is, is integration how does that happen and um most questions that i would be asked from clients would be well how do i how do i get that how do i become unfrozen or unstuck to feel free well we're we're stuck within the maze and we're frozen within the maze and what we stare out within the maze is that there's no way i'm going to feel better yeah and christy if i don't feel better I will never be free. Yes. Okay, but now you've connected freedom to you being stuck. Mm -hmm. Now you're saying your, your, your freedom is delayed because you're stuck. But the whole idea about creating the door is knowing that you're free. So it doesn't occur if you don't understand you're free. You can't change being unstuck until you get, and so this is how it's tricky. Until you get the, the telegraph that says, hey, by the way, buddy, you're free to do whatever you want. You don't have to wait for me. So um, that's so, so freedom is tricky because um, the depth of meaning of what freedom is and understanding of it, the depth of understanding of what free will or how we're free, how we're free to act or free to be or free to behave or free to speak or 
means that we have to understand that we are the ones who are in charge of our own destinies. And that's what we're always missing, that who's in charge of this destiny? Two is operating the wheel. So in terms of freedom, freedom is a, is a concept that we use to express um, our development. Are we free? Can we create? Can we build? Can we change? Are we stuck? Who's at the helm? Who's in charge of this car? Well, I think that's the, I think that is the practice. It's not an intellectual idea or concept. Once you begin practicing that, um, power of choice and it can be around the simplest things of who's in charge Ooh. because what I what I do find with clients on a day-to-day -day is I do get asked well they would say I understand freedom I understand getting out but how do I do it and one of the most important ways is to have some type of practice every single day to realize that you're not as stuck as you think you would be mm. like perhaps eating healthier, drinking more water, going on a walk, doing a meditation. Mm. There's small things that we can do to get out of feeling stuck and have having more freedom. But it sometimes it's not easy to do because you don't want to. And there there's the, that's the challenging part that creates freedom on some level. So freedom is an action. I would say yes. So we have to act. If we are free, we act as if we are free. If we are captive, we act as if we are captive. That's the action. And people yeah. who have suffered trauma don't feel that sense of freedom because they're continuously attacked by inner dissociated aspects of the trauma that keep terrorizing them. And so we're not, uh, we, we, what we are not saying is that um, people choose not to be free. Some people are captives. Yeah. Not because they want to be captives, but they were they became captives because of trauma in their life. And that trauma has um, affected them in ways that are hard to understand. Even people who have been traumatized know that there is a different way to live, to feel, to exist. And so they search for it. Um, freedom is an interesting concept because we fight over it. In America, mm -hmm. we fight over it all the time. Yeah, we do. We fight over the concept because we don't understand the concept. Being free does not mean that I get to hurt somebody else. Being free does not mean that I need to insult anybody else. Being free is about the idea that I know there are doors. I know there are openings. I know there's more that I could learn, that I, I can understand. That the more I understand, the more I, that I learn, the more my ability to move through the maze that we call life in a much um, less oppressive way for me and for the people around me. In this case, for the people who, um, as a therapist, I treat or help or work with or guide. Um, and I think we do it in different ways. So 
Um, the maze is always interesting because we get trapped in ideas, concepts in the maze. Well, freedom is uh, demanding something or freedom is yelling about something or freedom is um, punching somebody in the nose or freedom is what freedom is not. So, let's not get trapped in the maze. Let's see it for what it is. It's an obstacle course. Yeah. All obstacle courses come to an end. There are obstacles in the way. We're going to have to jump over, walk around, crawl under. We're going to have to work through them. What we forget is that uh, the obstacle course is there. It's just part of existence. Um, it's not there to punish us. It's just there. It's part of existence. It's part of existing as a, as a being on this planet. Some people's obstacle courses are horrendous. Yeah, they have to come over and um, get through some really terrible, dark obstacle courses that were so destructive. And some people's obstacle courses are simpler. But when you're stuck, it feels the same. Your obstacle course doesn't matter anymore. Is the feeling of being stuck is the same. Yeah. The feeling of being lost is the same. The feeling of being overwhelmed is the same. That's not, that doesn't mean that you're not different. It's the feeling state that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so this is our universal communication that we, that we hurt as a group. That we experience these feeling states um, as a species together they're not unique they're not given to some and taken away from others and that's what we have to remember always and therefore um, this help us this helps us to be more empathic towards people who are stuck yeah, because we all have been stuck or will be stuck. Sometimes what I find is helpful uh, with clients as well is to uh, take a, uh, a, glow, a much higher perspective and picture and look at all of the pieces that are in play versus just what's in front of us. And that's helpful because I think when we, like you were talking in the beginning, if we're in a forest and we're looking for our way out, we can't see it because there's so many trees around us. And if we can look at the picture from a higher view of that stuckness, what are the components with it and have a better understanding of ourselves in that, it creates more openings again. I think there's many ways to um, see what stuck is and feel what stuck is. Mm. Uh, I, it's, it's interesting because um, I think about a kid, a child who she's standing there, but she's only about two feet tall. So she could only see the legs of everybody around her. So this is her natural view of the world mm -hmm. or people bending down to pick her up or picking her up and putting her in a seat. But most of the time she lives on the ground. She lives in the middle of all these legs that are walking around and she keeps looking up. 
So she has a certain perspective of the world that we don't. Now, as an adult, we don't notice that. We, we don't look at people's legs or feet. We're actually looking above their heads. Mm. We're not even looking at them anymore. So now we've changed two positions. One position is when we were really young, here she is staring at people's legs. Now she's just looking above their heads and just walking by. So two points of view of consciousness. But the perspective hasn't changed. She's still looking from the same perspective. So if the obstacle course, if the world was nice to her, then when she looks at the world, she feels like it's nice to her. If the world was mean to her as she was a kid, then she grows up feeling that the world is mean to her. If the world didn't take her into consideration as a child, nobody listened to her then she feels like nobody listens to me. So that perspective, that idea of consciousness, that idea of finding, understanding, and moving through all these doorways are brought to us by our sponsors, our parents. And so our sponsors tell us what we can and cannot do. That's the first thing they do is they take a, they basically what they do is they take a bunch of doors and say they don't exist. Don't even look there. They don't exist. Only look here to my right. That's the only doorway. That's your only path. People say things like that's your only path. Mm, but it's not true. As Christy says, we create our own doors. We, we find ways. I was stuck. I don't want to be stuck anymore. I'm leaving. So would it be helpful, as you're talking about a child's perspective, would it be helpful to uh, pay attention to if we go back into a way of thinking like the perspective of our own child within us? Mm -hmm. And what does that child see? What, what is the language underneath that? What is she, um, what is she afraid of? Mm. Because I don't, I, I guess I think I, for me, I need a little bit of a map of what's, what's the language behind that little child that might keep me stuck. Is she afraid of taking action? Is she afraid that the world is dangerous? Um, is she afraid that she'll get hurt? And that's a beginning point to listen to what the fear is so we can work through that fear. Just one at a time so it's not overwhelming. So I think this is a great question because I would have to say it would depend on do we still listen to that? Do we listen to her? Mm -hmm. Are we still listening to that child? Because if we want to move through the world in a um, freer way or with freedom, we have to listen to the child. Mm -hmm. We have to take into account the experiences of the child and let the child know that we actually can do different things now because we don't have to listen to these other people who are closing these doors in front of us. On the other hand, um, if we don't listen to the child and act as if that part of our life did not exist, then we're trapped mm -hmm. to that part of our life that was hurtful or corrosive to her. 
So she's actually trapped in that life, even though she's saying, I don't want to remember that life. The more you say, I don't want to do this, the more you say, I'm not going to do this, or it's basically you're trapped by it. You're, because you're arguing against it all the time. You're trying to prove something to whom besides yourself. Your argument is with you. And so the more we're internally conflicted, and we call it conflicted is because that means we, we don't have a unified expression. We don't approach things with the same voice. We approach things like, well, I really want to, but I don't know if I can. I wish I could, but I can't. I wish that there is a way, but I don't know how that way is going to work, and so on and so forth. That's what, go on, Christine. Well, to me, that, I guess I think backwards in that. To me, that's another doorway of, if you catch yourself saying those kind of things, that's something to look at, which will create a, a new path. It's so important to pay attention to your languaging, to those repetitive uh, beliefs that have been embedded in you to slow, slow down and unplug from them so you can sort out where they come from how much power they're having over you, um, who the voice might belong to. It might not even be your voice. Mm. Um, it creates more, I think it creates more room within the psyche to take a breath. And um, if that little child is the one speaking to give her some space to speak and then also let her know that she is safe with you as you move through into the unknown that she is not alone. Yeah. So you just created another door. Exactly. So your solution was why, why feel stuck? Just create a door, walk through the door and suddenly you are on the other side. So as I am speaking, I am forgetting that I could create the door. Christy says, just create a door, walk out. Don't stay there. And then and people. That's go. the practice though, Dr. Lahab of, yeah. of courage. And that's the practice of freedom. This isn't an intellectual exercise. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where I think people get stuck because they read 10,000 books of how to get out. But the, the piece is courage and trust of a movement that you're being guided in a movement to move out of being stuck yeah. well, being unstuck means that i don't hold firm to the beliefs that i was raised with yeah that's what being unstuck is once i could let go of um what my tribe believes or what would their great-grandchildren believe, or what their ancestors believed, or I could actually kind of find my way through the world. We're stuck because of over-identification with the people who are stuck around us. Yeah. Whether that's a religion or whether that's a political view or whether that's a social view or whether that's a. Everybody can change the way they view something. They can. It's not difficult. It's not complicated. <laughs> I would say sometimes it might be. It's difficult and complicated when we say, um, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. That's do you think they'll word. let me do that? Yeah. And suddenly you basically said, you know, I'm not free. I have no power. So I don't really have initiative because I'm scared. 
-hmm. And I'm waiting for other people to say it's okay. Yeah. And the only person that needs to say okay is that little girl. She needs to say I'm okay. Yeah. So that's why um, integration of the pieces that were disassociated or um, not allowed. We talked about the shadow last week or um, the pieces that were denied, the pieces that people told us were taboo. Once we're able to integrate those pieces of us and feel good about our own existence, then we can walk through the maze without being stuck. I make it sound easy, don't I? Yes, and it's not. It's, it's, <laughs> I think that's kind of the paradox, though, because it doesn't, I don't think it has to be as hard as it is when we're in it. Mm. And, um, it, it's a process. It's not um, something we can just decide necessarily. I think it's a practice of trust. It's a practice of unplugging from the system, from media, from our family system once a day to really go into this system, and this temple and ask ourselves, what, what is it that I need to do today? What is it that my heart needs? Because I do believe our heart is where the connection is to feeling with other people. And when our hearts need to be healed, we need to actually be in our space and in our body to feel it and be aware of what it's trying to communicate with us. Mm. So we're not talking about talking to your ego. No. And we're not talking about um, certain things that make me feel better you're talking more about um your deeper voice yes the voice that guides you in the maze the voice that says uh, you don't have to be here you could go somewhere else you can move you can walk out of here because i every guidance is within every human being and it belongs to no one yeah it is something we are inherently born with and we get to reconnect back to that because that and again is connected to that divine consciousness yeah it's part of the product instructions we're born with all have it yeah and if you look at the product instructions they're about like 50 pages they tell you all the little dynamics of the product construction. We just forget we have one of those. We forget that there are instructions. We actually um, are able to do a lot more than it says or advertised. Yeah. There's a lot more actions. For instance, your iPhone has like hundreds of ways you could use it for all kinds of things that... I never think about using it for. But you could actually tell how many cell towers in your area. You could tell which is the strongest cell tower. You could tell what the signal is. You could tell when your signal drops. You could actually see it on your iPhone as you're walking uh, from one place to the other. You could even check. There are all kinds of things that for some people, these are really important tasks. For others, it's like, well, I don't use it for that. Mm -hmm. What is that for? or doesn't really concern me, how do I? But human beings are similar to the iPhone. They have a lot of things that they can do that nobody's really told them they can because they've never needed to. And so the more things that you are able to realize that you are free to do, the more freedom you experience. Experiencing freedom, understanding freedom, and being free 
are one thing. To understand freedom is to be free. Yeah. If you understand it, you're free. If you're acting free, you're free. You're just. But if you're talking about acting free, then you're not free. Right. Then you're stuck. And when you're stuck, as uh, Mr. Putin showed us today, when you're stuck, you go invade another country. It's like, well, I can't solve my own problems. Uh, I'm going to go create some more. Because I can't solve them. So I'm going to force the rest of the world to look at me and deal with me. Because I'm unable to solve my own problems. I'm going to create more problems. And that's what happens. When you're stuck and you feel like there's no way out, you create more chaos. Yeah. Which is why I think it's the self-regulation to pay attention to what's going on inside of you is a discipline to freedom. So those are beautiful words. Self-regulation. The ability to know oneself and to be able to regulate through oneself without feeling overwhelmed or burnt out or overworked or stuck. Self-regulating is about um, understanding that we need to check in. Mm -hmm. We need to know that um, am I tired? Am I angry? So we don't go invade somebody else because we're acting out. Yeah. We're not aware of our self-regulation. Um, then we're acting out. We're acting out towards other people close to us, our friends. If we are completely dissociated from how much we're acting out, we act out against the neighbors. Being able to self-reflect and be within yourself and to be satisfied within oneself and to know that what, what one holds is, as Christy put it earlier, doesn't belong to one person, belongs to everybody. Yeah. Feeling that sense that we're all together, that we're a collective, that we share these things, their commonalities between all of us, and that they're important for all of us to have not because I feel like I don't have it. I'm going to take it away from you. Or I need what you have. I don't feel I have enough. Oh, I used to have it. You know. My dad's dad had it. So I'm going to get it back. It's mine. Because at this point, it's a childish argument. And this is what I've been witnessing on in 2022, watching hundreds of thousands of troops rushing through a neighboring country. My first thought was, should they not defend themselves? And my second thought was, this is completely absurd. Mm -hmm. And they're probably stunned, shocked by how absurd it is.
thinking of freedom. Yeah. Thinking of what it is. Yeah. My husband and I were talking last night about, about that very thing. And I, with what's happening with that invasion of, I, I can't even imagine what those people are experiencing because their ancestors experienced similar things. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's a trauma. It's a huge trauma. Yeah. It's a reoccurring trauma and it's being carried out by somebody who doesn't self-regulate by somebody who self-regulation means that they have to infect everybody. So when you're not self-regulated, when you're out of control, then you create havoc in your life and around those who live around you or who are part of your life. Yeah. And unfortunately for the Ukrainians, they live next to Putin and the Russians. Yeah. Even though I heard today that there were like 40 different cities in Russia that were protesting against this. Yes. So there is some kind of hope that there is internal resistance or internal resistance to the idea that uh, we're going to keep settling our disputes, our feeling states, our projections through war. Because that's what we're doing now, unfortunately. Freedom in the maze was today's overriding topic that we went through. Christy, any other thoughts that you have today? Um, the only thing that comes to, the thing that I'm thinking about for our listeners is self-regulation. I would, I'm going to give an example of what I would do when I notice I need that is um, if I go into a state of overwhelm, I certainly, my family feels the overwhelm. I can feel my um, angst or irritation. And I notice that and I've trained myself and I practice to come back to either go on a walk, take a little rest, um, go get a massage, something that helps me come back into my own space, my own heart space or body brings that overwhelm down because I've been plugged into too many other people's energies and lives and not paying enough attention to mine. So you don't arm your sons and send them to the neighbor's house to take it over when you're feeling dysregulated. No, hmm. no. And my children, it's funny. They've, I think they've been trained by their mother enough that my one son Cole came up to me. I was having one of those moments and he puts his arm around me and he said, mom, I need you to take five deep breaths and then go sit down yeah. because sometimes I don't know I'm in it. I, I, I'm getting better at it. I completely agree. I mean, it's difficult because we, we get caught up in the muck. I mean, totally do. We get overwhelmed by what's going on. We, we fall into the maze and forget it's a maze and suddenly yeah. we're trapped again, you know, we're yeah. dysregulated. And so find out what's one of the things that help you settle back down so you can have a better perspective of you. So we're looking for balance. We're looking mm -hmm. for an ability to compensate for that, which is dysregulated. So you could regulate it. All right. So we're always in this like seesaw battle between dysregulation and regulation. And what we try to do is hold the line <coughs> of regulation at a certain point. Yeah as much as possible. That doesn't mean it's not gonna happen. We're not gonna get dysregulated. Right. You just don't have to invade your neighbor's house with guns if you're dysregulated. Mm -hmm. um, as a final thought to Mr. Putin. Yeah. 
Okay, with that, um, this is when destiny calls. I am Dr. Lahab Al Samurai. This is Christy Foster. Uh, Christy, you want to say anything to our listeners as we break away? I would like to tell you thank you for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, please like our podcast and feel free to ask any questions. Uh, we're happy to answer anything that might come up. So please send us your suggestions, thoughts, or even observations or topics that you would like us to delve into. We'd be happy to read them on air or delve into the topics that um, our listeners suggest. So with that, uh, we will be back next week with When Destiny Calls. Thank you for tuning into this episode of One Destiny Calls. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Christy and Dr. Al Samurai. We'd also like to thank Christy for taking the time to join us. You can also find us on YouTube at the Institute for Conflict. Make sure to also check out the Jam Training Institute's Magician's Call podcast. Tune in next time to the IFC's One Destiny Calls podcast for another episode soon.